Welcome to another episode of the Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur with your host, Sharon Wilson, founder and chief inspiration officer of Coaching from Spirit Institute and master spiritual business mentor. The intention of this show is to provide transformational tips, tools, strategies, and resources that support and empower you to soar and shine in your business now. Enjoy. Well, welcome everyone. I'm so excited you're listening in and I'm so excited for our guest today. In our talk today, he'll be sharing about how to use your story and webinars to sell without high pressure tactics, which is what we all want. So I'm so excited. Goosebumps ever since uh, we got on here to talk to him. So I'm so excited for our guest today. So he has a question for you. Do you want to leverage your story selling to reach your ideal clients from a webinar or stage? Well, we're going to talk about a lot about that and much more today. But let me tell you a little bit about him. Eight years ago, he left his corporate job to change lives through live events and public speaking. And since then, now listen to some of these statistics. He's held 63 sold out events for himself and clients. He's built and critiqued more than 370 different presentations, and that is going up every day. <laughs> so he's spoken on more than 250 live and virtual stages, including Harvard's Business Summit on Marketing, Influence, and Conversion. I didn't even know Harvard had a summit, but that's got to be amazing. But when COVID hit, pause on live events, and we all remember that, he pivoted and helped 31 online entrepreneurs launch story selling webinars that netted over $5 million in sales in the last 18 months. And his focus is on helping coaches, influencers, and small business owners turn their stories into six-figure sales machines on the live and digital stage. And I'm so grateful to have with us today, Steve Werner. Steve, thank you for being here. Of course, Sharon. Thank you so much for that intro. That was a great intro. I didn't even know I had that much information out there. So. <laughs> you do. And Harvard, jeez. <laughs> so that's fantastic. So, you know, Steve, I mentioned to you when we first spoke, because before I have any podcast uh, guests on, I always like to energetically vet them. We call them energy connection conversations. And, you know, you were just gracious enough to be willing to do that. And so, you know, you, um, I mentioned to you that I, I got this download to do my podcast uh, in the fall of 2019 called, called the Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur. It seemed like a weird name, but it was, you know, just one of those kind of divine downloads, but I did it anyways. And then COVID hit. And people say, oh my God, I love the name of your podcast. That's so amazing because, you know, what have we had to do but be persistent in a lot of ways? So what does being a spiritually persistent entrepreneur mean to you, Steve? I think, I mean, there are a couple of things. You asked that question and I was like, what does that, what does that mean? There are two or three things come to mind. I'll share all of them because I think they're all relevant. The first one is that the game of entrepreneurship is a marathon. Um, every, when I started, I started in 2013. And I had the dream the same as everybody of, you know, a million dollars a year right now. And I'm really thick headed, and I can be stubborn, and I'm persistent. And when I get challenged, I tend to work harder. But the 
the thing is that it took like five years to get to there. Mm -hmm. And I think what you see a lot, you see the social media image, right? You see Instagram, you see Facebook, you see Gary V, you see Casey Neistat, like whoever you follow, Russell Brunson, Tony Robbins, like you can just name off the list. Mm -hmm. And even though they tell you that they were struggling in the beginning and that they struggled for a while, somehow our brain smushes that all together and says, they made a whole bunch of money really quickly. Mm. And I I know that people listening are like, I want to impact people. Everybody wants to impact people, but we all need to make money to live. And whether you want to admit it to yourself, maybe I, I think some people have a hard time saying it out loud. You want to make enough money to live a life that you enjoy living. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people get very frustrated very quickly. And somebody who is a really good friend of mine that saw this pattern, he said, probably like 2016 or 17. He was like, you know, it's really a game of endurance. It's the game of showing up, picking yourself back up again. Uh, There was an interview I watched with the CEO of um, Magusto Steakhouse. And he runs a couple different restaurants. Um, the total group, I believe, did two billion last year in restaurant sales. So he's he knows what he's talking about. And he said the number one thing, this is what flashed in my head when you asked the question. The number one thing was being able to get knocked down and get back up again. Russell Brunson says the same thing. He has one of my favorite podcasts that I've probably listened to 10 or 15 times in there is called Entrepreneurial Scars. Mm. Regardless of like what what you're doing, regardless of how much you love it, no matter how passionate you feel about it, you are going to get knocked down. You are going to have days that things don't go right. You are going to have customers that don't love you. You are going to get hate mail. Like it happens. You can't be successful without having those things. But when you realize that that's just part of the journey. Yeah. I don't know if anyone here runs. I run quite a bit. Um, When I do a marathon, it's like, the beginning is easy, then you hit a wall, then it gets hard, then it gets easy again, everything is in waves. Mm-hmm. And that's the game of entrepreneurship. If you stick at it long enough, and you this is the key, though, you have to, it comes down to um, what would be called, um, hang on, I got to remember the word, um, practice, right? Mm-hmm. But not just practice, specific, intentional practice. Every day you have to push yourself to get a little bit better. And there are some days that you, in this journey, what's so interesting is people that even have reached like $10 million, $20 million, $150 million, they'll tell you the same thing. They have the days where they get up and like things just aren't going right. And they, it's a struggle. And that's just part of it. When you learn that, it takes some of the weight out of the struggle. Like it's still not easy, but you realize that there is going to be something on the other side of it. So spiritually persistent, first thing is intentional practice, realizing that there are going to be those waves. And the second thing is keeping a positive attitude internally, which means being kind to yourself in those moments. Mm negative self-talk. Um, I mean, there, there are all several books, uh, psycho cybernetics is a great one. If you're looking for one to read, uh, what to say when you talk to yourself is another one. We are habituated over our lives to negative self-talk internally. Um, learning to have some grace with yourself when things aren't going great, it will go miles. Um, so those are the two 
two things that come to mind when you ask about being a spiritually persistent entrepreneur? I really want people to just kind of sit with that because I do think that so often, um, and there are plenty of people that will just tell you, oh, you know, you can make a million dollars, just take my, you know, course here, you know, my, you know, five week course or whatever. And, you know, and I always say, okay, uh, you know, having been in business over 20 years, you know, I absolutely know that, you know, there are, there absolutely have been waves and there are waves and they're going to be waves. So I think that's really important that people understand that and not just kind of believe marketing hypey copy, because that's really, you know, that's not the truth. I mean, let's just really be, you know, let's just really be honest and authentic. Now, what's one challenge that you face that's really activated that more in you? And usually people say to me, you know, oh, just one. So, you know, yeah, just pick maybe one thing that comes to mind. Sure. Um, COVID really, I mean, COVID in and of itself, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. Um, I thought it was going to blow over and we were going to be back to normal very quickly. And then lockdown happened. Um, I mean, when lockdown happened, I had, so prior to lockdown, I helped people build live events. Um, We did the whole thing. We helped them fill the room. We taught them how to speak and sell from stage. We helped them choreograph the event. And then I went and ran the event. So I was, Mm -hmm. it was a big deal. It was a lot of work and I charged a lot of money for it. Um, When COVID hit, we like in integrity, I had to refund people and it wasn't, I, I don't know if I would call it a challenge. Like I knew it was the right thing to do. So I refunded people. One of those people, one of those businesses came back to me and said, Hey, can you help us build a webinar? Which is how we got into webinars. I don't know if I would say that is the biggest challenge that I faced. Um, I think honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest, I think it is. So I've built and shut down two businesses uh, and I'm on my third in the last nine years. So the first one we built, we helped people with their infusion soft and their email campaigns. This was like 2013, 14. Uh-huh, yes, and what I, what I realized was that I didn't like running that side of it. I like mm-hmm. speaking, I like selling and I like that stuff. <clears throat> right. If, if, the universe tries to teach you a lesson and you don't learn it the first time it teaches it to you a second time. So the second time everybody said, we want Facebook ads, we want Facebook ads, we want Facebook ads. And instead of staying in my zone of genius, which is speaking strategy and events, I said, well, we'll build a Facebook ads agency. So we build up an ads agency. Well, I don't like managing that many people. I don't like worrying. I, I'm not on Facebook. Like I don't, I have a Facebook profile. I don't use it. I don't really do anything with social anymore because I don't, it does not connect with people the way that I like to connect. Mm -hmm. So I might share some pictures here and there, but I don't do anything else on there. And I'm really, I don't not on it much anymore. I left about a year and a half ago. I took it off my phone and I just don't think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. But the, the difference, like anyway, so Facebook ads agency, obviously not the right fit for me, but Mm -hmm. I built that business up. And then I was like, I'm miserable with this. What am I doing? Um, So shutting that down and moving into events, which is what happened in 2017, we moved from just holding my own events to holding client events. Um, That was a huge piece. I would say learning that, although you can do a lot of different things, right? You've been in entrepreneurship for 20 years. Shiny object syndrome is real. Mm, Yeah, for sure. 
So moving away from that, the other one that is a huge one is structure, right? We we're entrepreneurs because we love freedom out of the 250 plus entrepreneurs I've interviewed. Freedom is almost always their number one driver. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But inside of that, if you look at successful entrepreneurs, they have a lot of structure. They've been the ones to choose the structure and they can, they can change the structure when they need to, but they have structure. They usually time block. They usually get up early. There are some that get up later. There's one that I know that's highly successful. She gets up later, but she stays up till 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. That's fine. If that's, work, if that's what works for you and she does that, she's like, I do my best work between 11 and 2 because I'm everybody else is asleep. <laughs> I, I used, used to do that. Did you used to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Or get up super early because nobody's on email, right? Because that yep. was the the best thing. No one's bought, you know, no one's kind of coming in and asking. So yeah, I understand that. It's just the time frame. What works best for you? Are you more of an early person productive or you're later night bird productive? Uh, yep. So yeah, and then that can change too. <laughs> your it, life. It definitely does. So when I, my corporate job from 2007 through 2013, I worked for Vail Resorts. I worked running a restaurant. So we got out of the restaurant usually at 1 p.m. So Amazing. when I moved into entrepreneurship, that was that was my prime time. What has happened over the years is I have definitely become a morning person. Now I get up at 4.30 and I am like, I have that time in the morning. And that's the time, the way it was described, uh, Alex Hermosi described this the best in a video I watched of his, but he talks about, you've, you've read the E-Myth, correct? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so work, oh you have to work in your business and you have to work on your business. Working in your business is doing the things that you're good at, your core competencies, client services, whatever that is. Working on your business is growing your business, doing the things that you need to do to take your business to the next level. Otherwise, you just have a job. You just create a job for yourself, right? You see plumbers, sure. electricians, you definitely see coaches. I see energy healers do this all the time. They create a business that is a job for themselves, but they never grow. What Alex, like Alex Ramosi laid this out, so I have to give him credit for it. The what most people do is they get up in the morning at whatever time they set, they get up, they do a little bit in the morning, and then they start into client work and they start doing busy work. They're doing email, they're doing low value tasks <clears throat> that don't necessarily take a lot of brain power. They're stuck in that. And then they do their client work, they usually do some calls, and then night rolls around. They if they have kids and a husband, wife, whatever, they're taking care of that stuff. And then they try to spend like an hour at night grinding out a little bit of work on the business to grow it. Mm -hmm. Well, how well is that going to work? Right. What he laid out and what I agree with is do the stuff that is going to grow your business when you have that quiet time. So like in the morning, I get up super early, I do my workout, I go out for a walk, I'm at the office usually by 6.30 or 7, which means that I have like four hours where nobody's bothering me. I don't check my email. I don't check my email until my task list, like I pick the three biggest things that are going to move the needle the most. And until at least one of those is done, I don't check email. I don't check email till 11. And all my clients know that, everybody else knows that. Then from like 11, 1130, I'll check email. That's it. I might look at it later on in the day, but it, I try to be very careful. If I do, it's before I go to dinner. I just don't, I don't let it in, impact my time. Mm -hmm. the, yep. There's way more important things to be doing. Um, 
some people have their like admin, whoever that is, EA, or maybe a actual assistant check it, which that works too. But the, you can't let things bump in on you. I love the fact, like I have an iPhone focus mode is great. Nobody can get through to me. That's awesome. My, uh, my, my brother-in-law actually called that out. He was like, we've been calling you. And I said, yeah, it's on focus. I'm busy. Like, yeah. And he's like, that's, he was like, you're the only person I know of who's like excited <laughs> that people can't get through. I was like, <laughs> why do I want to get texts from, you know, 50 people during the day? I'll get back to them later. Right. Like end of story. So that's, I find that stuff really, really big. I, we're kind of down a rabbit hole, but I think, I think it's valuable. No, I think that's great. I really do. Well, let's, let's jump into talking about webinars because, you know, especially I, I saw an email that you sent out. I'm on your list um, this morning about, um, you know, a healer and how she's, you know, one of the, her best skills besides healing is, is selling. And, you know, so often, you know, and I came from a corporate background of marketing and sales. So to me, that's just serving. I never had any issue about selling uh, when I moved into doing this kind of work because I said you're doing a disservice to people if you aren't giving them an opportunity to understand how they can work with you or buy what you have. You know, so but people do bring, um, and especially healers and coaches and those kind of folks, you know, can bring a lot of baggage in about that. But one of the things that I think is really amazing, and you know, I've been doing um, well before they were webinar, they were teleseminar. Right. I mean, so, you know, we would get on a phone bridge, literally, that was free, you know, and, 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 you know, and, 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 and do a, a presentation. I mean, people didn't see anything, whatever. So now webinars are great, because it just brings in a whole other energy. And it brings in all of these pieces. But we know that, you know, webinars, um, just because you do a webinar doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be successful. So, you know, and, and we have to have you back on because we're just going to scratch the surface of this honestly and i would love it if you would be willing to come back on um let's talk a little bit um about like why webinars fail and and maybe you can just kind of start to you know so people are saying oh my gosh i've done webinars before you know and i couldn't get anyone there you know and then you know i I, you know i think i gave away too much which is usually one of the biggest issues right because we're teachers and we're healers and we want to give 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 right so um so talk about why webinars fail and kind of the biggest mistakes and let's just kind of chat more about that um just to start people out with kind of the idea first of all that you absolutely can do webinars that are successful this isn't like you have to have some kind of superpower that is not available to you and i think a lot of people feel that way it's kind of like oh my gosh only you know only these people they that they have some kind of magic and uh and you know and it's a magic superpower and i don't have it so then that's a really great way to beat themselves up right so so just talk with us a little bit first about you know what does cause webinars to fail so let's start there sure so the the first thing i guess i want to like snap and get people to realize is like set your expectations correctly i think the first thing is what is failure and what is success oh yeah okay because the uh, when people first started talking about webinars they saw they hear somebody um, Robert Kiyosaki talked about, I remember he did a story where he was like, we had 2,800 people on our webinar. You are not going to have 2,800 people on your webinar. You're probably not going to have hundred people on your webinar, but when you change that expectation, that allows room 
for growth and it allows you not to beat yourself up. Um, we did one of the, this is an analogy, but it'll make sense. When people, when we were doing live events, people would always be like, I want to be like Tony Robbins. I want a room of, you know, 8,000, <laughs> 10,000 people. What's it going to cost to do that? And I said, let's just, let's think for a second. If I put you on stage in front of 10,000 people, do you know how to present to 10,000 people? And if like, we're all optimists because we're entrepreneurs, right? So we're like, oh yeah. But then like, if you really think about it, like that's, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know how to respond to stage monitors, if you don't know how to read the audience, if you don't know how to time yourself, like there's a whole bunch of things there, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we did, one of the stories that I told this to uh, was Eileen Wilder. Eileen now has a multi-million dollar business. At the time she was just getting started. We put 14 people in a room for her live event. And she was, she really wanted to have 50. And I told her at the beginning because they did not have a list and they did not have money for ad spend. I said, like 10 to 15 people is a good number. Out of that room, we did a hundred thousand dollars in sales. Damn, so right? That's like, I just want you guys to hear that because mm -hmm. we've done the same with webinars. So a client of mine, Jen, Jen is an amazing copywriter. She has all the one-on-one -on -one business she could want in the world. And she wanted to build a course. She built a course. She had tried a couple webinars, which I'm sure people here are like, well, I've tried and failed. Mm -hmm. We helped her by removing a lot of the teaching which I'll get to here in a second. That's probably the biggest single mistake. Mm -hmm. We removed a lot of it. We made it very entertaining and engaging, but still had just the right amount of teaching in it that it got people to lean forward. We relaunched that. And because she was my client, I did it to my list. My list isn't all that big. It's about 6,000 people. So it's not a monster list by any means. Out of 6,000 people, we had 30 people on the first webinar. We had 24 people on the second webinar. Out of that, she did over $20,000 in sales of a $1,000 course. So that's a good, when you think about it that way, like a lot of people mm -hmm. go ahead, like they look at the registrations and they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> I got, I only had like we had, so average show up rate is going to be between a third and maybe like a third plus five. Like aim mm -hmm. for a third, right? So if you have a hundred people, you're going to have 33 show up for hers. We had about 80 people registered and we had 30 show up. So and I told her what to expect that by her knowing that she didn't feel upset. She was like, I'm just grateful to be here. It also, how many of you listening to this? You can't see my hands, but I'm raising my hands. <laughs> how many of you like really value connection with people? No, they're all raising their hands. <laughs> right. So <laughs> you can connect a whole lot better with a small room. This is what allowed Eileen to close over $100,000. This is what allowed Jen to close. A webinar, quote, webinar, should not be about putting up a slide presentation and teaching everything that you know. That's the expectation that I want to shift. So really quickly, sir, you can do this with me. I want you to close your eyes. If you're listening to this, I want you to, to think about this. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. But everybody else, if you're somewhere safe, close your eyes. And I want you guys to think about this. Go back to high school. And I want you to think about your favorite teacher. I want you to take a moment and I want you to walk into their classroom. Like relive that a little bit. Sit down. Remember what it was like to be there. 
now I want you to go to your least favorite teacher's classroom. If it was like my least favorite teacher, it was calculus. I would walk in. Uh, he'd be I was standing, just thinking of that. <laughs> he was standing at the blackboard. We had blackboards, not dry erase at the time. And he's like scribbling away as fast as he can. And you can like hear the nails on the chalkboard. Right. And like he might take a moment and like yell over his shoulder. He would give a whole bunch of homework and then he would go right back to writing. If you were like me, like five minutes in, it was brain overload. I was like, oh, this is just, it's just too much. I would put my head down and take a nap. I'd read a book. Sometimes I left out the back door. Now I want you to go back to your favorite teacher's classroom. Your favorite teacher, sometimes I walked in a few minutes late because I, you know, I went and got a pack of gum or I got a soda or did something else. I would walk in. They usually knew something about me. My favorite teacher knew the sports that I played. They knew what kind of car I drove. They knew my hobbies. Like they knew all about me. They, at the time I worked at a restaurant, they, they would come and see me sometimes. So they knew me. They would talk to me about that stuff. Sometimes they gave us study hall. They would usually joke around through class. They would make sure that we had fun. They applied the learning directly to us. Usually somehow they would tell a story, but if nothing else, they knew our name and they, taught less right mm -hmm. yeah but yeah. now we're about interaction and engagement right like they really had that connection with you i'm i'm, I'm visualizing mine right exactly yeah. so now the two things i want you to take away from this the first one is i bet you can still remember something from your favorite teacher mm. and i bet you can't remember anything from your least favorite teacher mm. but now which one of those two teachers probably knew more? The takeaway here is it doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how much you teach. If anything, that's where you get hurt. It matters about engagement, authenticity, and building the no like trust factor. And that's the whole point of doing a webinar doing a challenge, doing a workshop, doing a live event, all you're doing during that time, this is like a reframe of what it's about, is building rapport with the person, building that no like trust factor. And you can do that by teaching a little bit. The most of us, right, I'm at a level 10 when it comes to webinars, live events, public speaking, I've spent 17, 18,000 hours doing all of that. I've spent a lot of time in that space. I, one, I can talk about it for hours and hours and hours, but most of the people who come to my webinar or are on this podcast, they're at a level one. Maybe they're at a level two. My goal is to give them one big aha, one thing that gets them to be like, oh my goodness, that's, that's something different that I hadn't heard before, hadn't thought about gets them to lean in, gets them to know, like, and trust me, and gets them to know me. You want to tell personal stories. You want to tell stories about clients, and you want to make sure that you're vulnerable. You want to tell some stories about when things didn't go right for you, because that lets people know this person had a problem that was similar to mine, and they figured out how to solve it. They can probably show me the way. That's the that's the whole thing. If you can convey that, it doesn't matter whether that's a podcast, it doesn't matter whether you're on stage speaking for 20 minutes, whether you're doing a webinar, whether you are doing a two or three day event. If you can convey what we just talked about in the last 30 seconds, people will lean in and they will become your customers. 
because everybody is looking for a guide to get from where they are to where they want to go. And as long as you build rapport and you show that you have done it yourself and you can prove it and they like you, they'll be willing to buy from you. You know, I just want people to just kind of sit with that for a minute because you had some really valuable things in there. And I, I think one of the first ones I really got was the whole idea of the attendance, you know, because yeah, isn't that what everybody wants? You know, the 5,000 people, they've been on Tony Robbins one year launch, you know, when he does, you know, when he, and he's got, you know, 20,000 people on and how many people join this thing? Well, you know, that's like a freight train. I mean, that's just that, that that's just going to go because of all the momentum that there is with that and all of the reach, you know, and all of, all of that. What would you say for folks? that are just um, either they're just starting out or maybe maybe they have done some webinars. Um, I know you have an amazing uh, formula, a gift that you're going to offer to people. So we're, we're not going to go into that as much, but I want you to just kind of, you start, you, you started with some head stuff, which I think was really great, which was about the expectation. And the second was about the teaching, because absolutely that is the number one mistake I've seen myself. Absolutely. Uh, you know, because you want to give, 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 and you think, well, this isn't enough. I mean, people are never going to buy anything. I mean, I'm barely saying anything, right? Well, how, and, and, and meanwhile, they're thinking that they've got to earn that. They've got to provide, the, they're not providing value unless they're teaching, 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 right? So what would you say are, um, you know, some of the mistakes that, uh, that, that you would recommend that people, or, or let's turn it around, let's say instead of mistakes, let's say what are some of the things that you would recommend people, they're, they're just saying, okay, I've got this program, I know people like it, you know, and a lot of people on our podcast have programs, they're not just starting out, they do have programs, and they know that that people can and tell them that they're great programs, you know, uh, virtual programs. So now they want to do a webinar. Let's just kind of go, okay, we're just going to, we're going to toss out everything that they've ever done before. That's number one is like, all right, let's just toss it out because we have an expert here who is shifting the paradigm. So what would you say that folks need to do besides get this wonderful gift you're going to give them in a, in a few minutes here? Sure. So, okay. There's a couple things in there. The first one is what happens, Sharon, when somebody tells you something? If I tell you, you need to do something, you need to email your list five times a week. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Yeah, there's some resistance because, you know, you say, well, I'm not going to email my list five times a week because they'll be overwhelmed with how many times I meet or whatever it is, right? You know, like there's something that yeah. comes up whenever someone tells us what to do as human beings, we mom push back, even if it might be a really great idea, right? Right. So some of you listening are like, well, but I don't want to do that. You should eat a Hershey's chocolate bar every day. You should eat a scoop of ice cream every day. You should go for a walk every day. It doesn't matter what I tell you. Mm -hmm. You are going to have resistance to it because as a human being that's an adult, as our mind develops, right? If you tell a two-year-old, they're going to do it because <laughs> somebody told me to do it. But what is the defense mechanism that our brain learns? We have to ask whether that is the right thing for us to do, which immediately puts us in a state of, I don't know if this is the right thing for me, right? It doesn't matter what it is. You should take vitamins. Even if you 
take vitamins. You probably are like, I don't know if I should. Should I or shouldn't I? If you really listen to like your your mm -hmm. snap response, it's mm -hmm. should I or shouldn't I? And that puts you in a state of questioning, which is not a state of this is for me. It's not a buying state. So it, if we take that, how do you get to the other side? How do you get people to naturally lean forward? Any guesses? I bet you know. No? Naturally lean forward. Uh, you tell them a story. Because story, when you uh, tell them a story, it doesn't matter what the story is. If you watch Batman, you put yourself in the role of Batman. You're like, would I behave like that? I want to be that cool. I want to do that thing. It doesn't matter whether it is, let's pick another movie, um, Message in a Bottle. You're going to put yourself in that, right? Like any movie that you watch, you naturally put yourself in the shoes of the star. So when I tell a story, you naturally put yourself there. I've told some stories on here. They're brief. They're shorter. The story about when COVID hit, I had to refund over $100,000. Like I told you that story. You probably put yourself in the same shoes and you're like, ah, okay. Yeah, I guess I would. So it allows people, it stops the wall from going up and it allows people to put themselves in the role. So what stories do you need to tell in your webinar? That's the question. So the way that we do this with clients is we take their offer, whatever their offer is, and we make sure that we put line items. So you, you guys aren't seeing, but I'm drawing on my screen. You put line items. So you want five to seven things that go in your offer. These are specific ways that you solve the problems for your clients. Then we look at the emotions that are attached to those things. So if one of the ones for, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll walk all the way through this and I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so we have those line items. They solve specific problems. Then we look at the emotions and the pain points that those things solve for our clients. Once we have those, we make sure that we tell stories that overcome those pain points and create an open loop to the item that we are selling. Now, the reason that you want to create open loops, we, we solve everyone's problem. Let's back up for just a second. We solve everybody's problem. A lot of the reason that we overteach is because our ego says we need to provide value. And how do we provide value? We dump all the information on them. That's not what people see as value. If you want my challenge on that and you want to see like what you're saying, but that's, that's it. Why do you watch TV? Why do you read novels? Why do you go to movies? Because you're looking for entertainment. You're looking to be told stories. That mixed with a little bit of education works really, really well. That's what real people see as value. How many of you have been on a webinar? If you're still like, I can hear the voices, people being like, but I need to teach. How many mm -hmm. of you have been on a webinar where the person just starts teaching, 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 and you're like, I can't take anymore. And before you know it, you're on Facebook or you're reading a book or you've gotten up and you've left the room. It's the same thing as the calculus teacher being at the board, teaching, teaching, teaching. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's giving all of his information, which he has a wealth of in a 30 minute crunch span 
he thinks he's giving value. His ego is being fed by that. Our egos as coaches, consultants, people who are doing the webinar is being fed because we feel like we're doing the right thing. Some people, if you have this tendency, you need to admit it and you need to get rid of it. Some of us love to say, but I gave them so much value and they didn't buy anything. We love to play a victim role. I've seen people do that and I call it out. If you, if you will know if it is you, if that is you, you need to get rid of that because you need to take responsibility and say, I am over teaching. It's not that I'm not delivering value. I'm delivering value in the wrong way to them. Mm-hmm. The what they're looking for is, do I know, like, and trust you? Can I buy from you? Can I move forward with you? That's the real question. So we line out five to seven ways that we solve their problem. That becomes the offer. Then the pain points and the emotion that tie to each one of those. Then we create the story and the open loop. So the way that I do this, I'll give you one example of this in my own webinar. I will talk to people about the three stories. So, so far we've covered two of the stories in this podcast. I talk to people about the three stories that every webinar needs and talk about how I discovered them. I take them through that story and then I say, and we design frameworks so that you can quickly and easily do that. Unfortunately, I don't have time to get into them right now. Just know that these are the three stories and I point to the examples. So the examples, if you're asking, the first one is the story that I gave you about how I refunded money. That's Mm -hmm. a trust story. It shows people that I am trustworthy without saying you can trust me. The second story is the story about my high school calculus teacher versus my high school English teacher. That story got you to realize the big aha. Third story is your hero's journey about how you earned it or learned it. You kind of went through it for me in your bio. I started off wanting to hold live events. I failed miserably at first. It took me three years to figure it out before I was profitable. And then within five years, I crossed over a million dollars. That, like I tell that story a little bit longer, that's your hero's journey. I have frameworks for all of these and they're given to you later. Then when I get to the close, I say, how many of you want those frameworks? You remember the frameworks that I talked about, about the stories that you need? Well, they're right here in module two. When you take action today and you buy access to the Wealth Building Webinars course, you get those as well as my training. I get to look at your stories and I will give you personalized feedback on them. That makes the sale really easy because they have said up front, I want that. Subconsciously, they've said, I want those frameworks. I want those templates. I want that thing. If you can get people to say that 10 times before you ever make the offer, it makes it much easier for people to buy from you because they've already subconsciously said it. Think about this. If if you're like, how does that really work? Before COVID, when you would go to the store and buy something, or now that COVID's wrapping up, maybe you're going to the store and buying something. If you think about something specifically that you want, that you need to go to the store and buy, Right now, I'm buying a piece of luggage. I need a new piece of luggage um, because I'm flying international over the next couple of months, and I need a smaller piece of carry-on luggage. So I've been looking at it. I'm like, I need to go. I, I know I need one of these. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I want to go look at them in person. So I'm in Austin right now. I looked for a luggage store. I got in my car. I drove to the luggage store. How many of you think I came home with a piece of luggage? 
because I had said beforehand, I want a piece of luggage and I want to go look at them. There's anticipation. It builds up inside of us, right? Um, for women, this usually goes with shoes or a bag. Like you look at something that's expensive, 500, maybe a thousand dollars. You look at it, you think about it, you look at it, you think about it. You said you want it. It takes about 10 times of you saying, I want that before you actually take action and go get it. Mm -hmm. We do the same thing with the webinar. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, you've given us so much value. And as I said, we have to have you back uh, because I want people to get the amazing gift that you uh, are offering because it really does go over some of what you're talking about. I mean, actually, it absolutely does. So why don't you share a little bit about that, where folks can get it. It will also be on the episode page and, you know, what's in it because it's amazing. And then, um, and then we will, we'll definitely have you back and we can dig into this a little bit deeper about some of the, the key things like, you know, what size list should you have? And, and all, we, we got a lot of questions yet. I have, I've got a whole page full of stuff and I know people will be sending questions in as well once they hear this. So, um, so yeah, uh, can you share with us, Steve, uh, about what you have brought and how folks can get that? Sure. Um, so I have two different things I'll give you. The first one, um, this might be different than the one I gave you, but okay. I'm giving away my entire course. Um, this is the course that I sold for $1,000 uh, is yours for free. Um, oh, wow. yeah, I kind of nice. switched around <laughs> what I'm doing in my business. So uh, if you go to the Story Selling Webinar Blueprint, storysellingwebinars.com. S-T-O-R-Y-S-E-L-L-I-N-G, webinars, W-E-B-I-N-A-R-S.com. That will take you to an opt-in. What you're going to get when you opt-in for that is you are going to get my entire 10-part course delivered to you for free. It'll walk you through most of the things that we talked about today. Um, you can go through that. Uh, if you would like to connect with me, if you know that you would like me to either build your webinar or fix a webinar that you have running, um, my business has kind of transitioned. I usually only work with people who now already have webinars or live events, um, and I help them fix, perfect, dial them in, and take them to the next level. Um, you can get on my calendar at steven.coffee. That's S-T-E-V-E-N dot C-O-F-F-E-E. -E. Um, and if you're interested in having me either build your webinar for you or fix one, uh, you can jump on my calendar. It'll take you to a short call and I'll be happy to walk through how we could work together. Oh, that is fantastic. I'm really grateful that you're offering that opportunity for people to get on your calendar. Can you just go through that link again? Because it's different than what I had. So I can write it down as well. And um, for folks to get your 10 part course. And I mean, what a wow, what a great uh, offering. I'm so grateful. I didn't realize you were going to give away your whole course. So thank you so much. That's fantastic. No problem. Um, I just like... I decided to shift the way my business works. Um, so I am no longer selling the courses at all. Um, I'm just doing giving them away. Uh, the people that I'm meant to work with will come to me and we will fix, usually fix their webinar. Um, so it is storysellingwebinars.com. That will take you to the entire course. Um, if you want something that's a little bit shorter and a little bit easier, you can go to death to bad webinars. That's probably the one that I gave you. Um, that's also a good lead magnet. It's uh, three videos that will walk you through everything uh, with three PDFs, but that's all of it. 
The, That's fantastic. I mean, so I mean, the 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 course is really what people need to get because that is what you actually teach people and what you will actually do with people if they want you to help them build it or fix it, right? right. So build it or fix it. What's easier, building or fixing? Um, probably fixing. Building, okay. the reason that I've, I mean, to be honest, I've moved away from building because right. it is usually people that are, they don't have anything there yet. And it's a lot bigger uh, process right. to do. Um, right. It's not, and it's also, it's just a lot. The people yeah. who already have a webinar that is running, I can usually come in and fix that for them. We can usually build a live event on the back end of it. We can do a lot of different things with it. And it also is going to result in going from, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a year to half a million to a million. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's a much bigger needle mover. It's much more value for my time. Um, and that's, that's kind of, where I have moved to, um, just because it's much, it, I'm impacting more people. Right. Got that. Yeah. It's a better use of time, but awesome. the, yeah. Well, I just, um, this, the, all these links will be on the episode page. So just want to make sure folks have that, but story selling, story selling webinars.com and then, um, death to bad webinars.com. Right. Mm -hmm. And to get on your calendar, steven.coffee c-o-f-f-e-e -E. we all know how to spell coffee so thank you so much and i'm so grateful for your work and i'm really you know honestly I, i'm really glad that you got into the webinar space because we've really needed someone that can bring this kind of you know expertise that was really kind of being left for the live stage events you know, and so, so grateful for that. And it, it's just interesting how things work out. You know, it was just a, a divine intervention because I believe a lot of people were praying for you and asking for you to come forth. And so we're really grateful for that. Is there anything you want to share in closing with folks, um, Steve? I mean, the, if you're listening to this and you're like, I really want to do a webinar, but I don't know where to start. The really simple thing, like learning to talk about what you do in a way that is engaging to people. We've all been on a, a Zoom call doing some networking where you ask somebody what they do and they just like word vomit on you for two or three minutes and you're like, I, I don't know what they said, but they talked a whole lot. That's right. not engaging. So how do you get better at that? And the truth is that you start doing it. Nobody is good when they get started. If you think about any sport or any activity that you had to pick up and learn. So how do you do that? Um, the really easy way is take one super small thing around what you teach, outline it into bullet points and learn to talk about those bullets, learn a story for each bullet, create an open loop like we talked about here and just stand in the mirror. If you have a hard time with that, build a Facebook group make it so that you are the only person there or like you and your mom or you and your husband, you and your wife, you and your kids, somebody that will give you like applause so that you can get started and just start doing short five minute things around that. You will get better. It takes repetition. It takes time. You don't wake up and just be like, I want to do a webinar. I'm going to be an amazing public speaker. Let's go. The other thing that I would really recommend if you really want to do this, like I, I believe that public speaking will grow your business faster than anything else you can do. 
Mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe that better than Facebook ads, better than being on Facebook, better than doing social media, better than doing LinkedIn. The reason everybody does that stuff, I may, I may be on a soapbox here for a second. The reason everybody does that is because they don't want to talk to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm going to build a funnel. I'm going to make a million dollars through <laughs> Facebook ads. Right. I'm never going to talk to anybody. Why don't you want to Why? talk to people? <laughs> if you like what you do, and you are good at it, be willing to talk to people. How do you get better at that? Two things that I will recommend to you that are 100% free. Go join Toastmasters. Toastmasters has, I don't know, probably 4,000 chapters across the US. It is free and it will teach you to be a public speaker for free. You can test out the stuff that we're talking about right now. You can test that out at Toastmasters and Trust me, they are loving, they are positive, and you will get better very quickly. You will also get clients from that group. I can almost guarantee it because when somebody hears you talk about something you're passionate about and you get better at it, they will lean in and they'll say, how do I work with you? Which is what you want. Right. The second thing that you can do that is absolutely free is go on Meetup and join a business meetup that meets, usually they meet for breakfast. Um, I've done this for those of you who don't know, Sharon, I don't know if you, you probably do, you're on my list. I've lived in Airbnbs for six years. That means I've lived in more than 30, I think 30 cities now, maybe 25, 25 to 30 cities. Like I've lived in a lot of places. The way that I, I'm social, I love people. I go to networking meetings. They usually meet for breakfast one or two days a week. You get to go in. Is everybody there going to be great? No. There are people there that are not so much fun to talk to, but there are also great people there. That's how I have friends all over the US. Mm -hmm. Just by going there and you learn to, you'll take the skills that you learn in Toastmasters and you will learn to apply them there. Um, That's the other one that I would recommend is how to win friends and influence people. The Dale Carnegie course. Carnegie, yeah. I mean, you can read the book. The book is great, but there's also a course. I believe it is free on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. It's so amazing because all these things you're talking about when I first started, that was right down the line. You know, I mean, it was Dale Carnegie. It was Toastmasters, all of that. And it still is. I mean, it, 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 you know, it stands the test of time. So you're just so amazing. Thank you for spending this extra time with us. I really appreciate you. And I'm just so excited for people to get your course, to connect with you and uh, definitely have you back on. Awesome. Sharon, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we see everybody that was amazing. I want to make sure you go and get everything that Steve offered. And please do listen to this again and again, because there's so many great nuggets and you just really need to pick it apart. I took a ton of notes. And so I'm so incredibly grateful. So we'll see you back here next time, everybody. We see you living lives of love, enjoy peace, health, and prosperity. And always, always see you back here next time. You hate selling yet love to be of service. In my free masterclass, you will discover three soulful secrets to client conversations that feel joyful, easy, and fun. Using these secrets, one of my clients made $8,000 in one week, and another client made $100,000 in less than six months. Register now at www.coachingfromspirit.com masterclass.